Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wild, entertainment reporter by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy, and healthy is hot. Join us as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely going to be some laughing, and hopefully you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life, to live your healthy is hot life. By now, you guys know I have absolutely no shame talking about my period. So this week's guest talked to me about her ovarian cysts, and I feel like we are more connected than ever. Okay, so we talk about ovarian cysts. We also talk about the power of personal storytelling and her wildly difficult, challenging, but also inspiring and aspirational experience with her TEDx talk. I am talking about the founder of This Renegade Love, Lauren McPhillips. She's a Toronto-based, actually now she lives in Prince Edward County, but she's still in Toronto quite a bit. She runs a blog. She runs all kinds of amazing things for her renegades where she takes her community offline and into the real world with her renegades sessions. You know, she is really a refreshing person. The type of person that you could go to the gym with, but then also down a bottle of wine with. And we also talk about her number one tip for people wanting to dive into the entrepreneurial word. Why do I have such a hard time with that word? Entrepreneurial world. You'd never guess I was on TV and had to talk for a living. But anyways, somehow I do it. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this week's Healthy is Hot podcast episode with Lauren McPhillips. Okay, so thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. I love that when I asked you, your stipulation was, yeah, I'm down, but I got to get my workout in first. <laughs> yes, I do. My F45, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> well, I'm an F45 girl too. And I li- as soon as you said your workout, I was like, are you going to get the Hollywood class in? Yeah, because that's the toughest. And I feel like if I get that one in, I feel like I feel good. And it sets me up for the weekend. And I just, it's, yeah, it's a great one. It's also 60 minutes. Usually they're yeah. 45. So that extra 15 minutes. It's killer though. Ooh, it gets you. It gets I, you. And like, I know people who feel energized after it, but I'm like, I'm dead for the rest of the day. Like that's it for me. <laughs> but look at you. You're still out and about. Yep, You're still here we out go. And about. I'm here. I showed up. Um, F45 has been a big part of your life for a minute now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Because I mean, I've known and seen you at different fitness events, but it's interesting when someone is able to tap into the fitness environment, the fitness culture, um, the types of classes that really jive with them and mm-hmm. work with their body type and also work with their schedules. Yeah. Um, I know F45 for me, and this is not a plug for them. I'm just genuinely yeah. <laughs> a big fan of them. It's one of those places where I look forward to it. I know I'm going to work hard. And if I continue and, and stick with it, I can actually see results which is like a really nice bonus yeah but has it had a big impact in you above and beyond just going to the gym and working out oh hugely because the thing with me is I've never found a workout that I just like I love this I need to be there I've never been someone who just like can go for a run and just fall into it I'm dying I'm just like when is this gonna be over (laughs) um so I've always been that person I've enjoyed like Pilates and stuff like that but I do prefer and have always looked for a more high impact workout And so um, I tried a bunch of different ones. Nothing ever stuck. And I tried F45 because it had just opened up in my neighborhood. And 
I thought, okay, this is, you know, it's a 10 minute walk, which is great. It's 45 minutes. Um, so like it's just over an hour of the whole process. So I went in first time, almost died, like really thought I was going to die. It's just so intense. (laughs) And it kind of went back to, I remember someone telling me before that with any workout, give it a shot, give it three times. The first time you're probably going to hate it. The second time you're still probably going to hate it. And the third time you might still hate it, but you'll be a little bit better. So you'll see that like how it's actually working. And so I did that with F45 and it just, it stuck. And so for me, I think the biggest thing is that it becomes a routine in my day. It's the same. I enjoy seeing the people. I actually look forward to it. Um, And the biggest thing has been the impact on my mood, my mental health, and the way that I feel about myself. It, it really doesn't have anything to do with weight loss. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just strength and, and just feeling strong. And I feel like when I'm there, I'm like, man, if I can get through this fucking thing, I can get through anything else in the rest of my day. And I love that you, you talk about mental health. Like mm-hmm. if I, I had a knee injury last fall and I had to take a solid four months off of high intensity workouts. So I was still doing my yoga and mm-hmm. I, I love, I think there's a lot of benefits to yoga too, but I was craving and missing that high intensity workout where you're drenched, where you're pushing yourself, where you want to throw mm-hmm. up at some point. And it really affected me in so many ways. And the physical changes were the least important ones. The mm-hmm. ones I was really noticing and I was a little bit concerned about was my mental health. And I was like, you know, we hear about how important exercise is for your serotonin, for your cortisol, Mm -hmm. for your mental health. And then I experienced it firsthand. I was like, I need to take care of my body and avoid injury if possible because the benefits of physical activity are so far above and beyond just what it does to your body. And then that translates and has the most incredible ripple effects into everything else. Cause mm-hmm. you walk into a room being like, I got this, I killed it this morning. Like I can take on anything. Absolutely. And I think that, and I think there are people that are always like, you know, they're in that headspace where they're like, I want to improve my life. Maybe they're, they're overweight or they're dealing with health risks. And, and so they want to lose the weight. But I think overall for me, when I took the focus off of going to the gym to lose weight and, or to look a certain way and I started doing it for those reasons and, and started to understand the benefits that they had it completely changed the game for me and it did become less of like a like a an evil that I had to do yeah. like a necessary evil and it just became part of my routine and something I actually enjoyed doing because you didn't always like working out I hated it and I still like <laughs> there's still some where I go to it I'm like oh and like it's still with F45 I, I definitely don't believe that phrase that like you'll never regret a workout because there's still times where I go and I'm like I really wish I stayed in bed because I'm really really tired today um but for the most part I just yeah it's it's all working out has always been a necessary evil for me um, but this is one I really enjoy. So. I like that you mentioned when you changed your mindset mm-hmm. and you stopped looking at it as a way to lose a couple pounds or fit into those jeans that you've always wanted to, because if that's your motivation, it's kind of a, it's kind of got a little bit of a negative connotation where you're mm-hmm. going to lose something. How about like you go to the gym to gain something? Yeah, it became, it became an investment into me, into my mental health, into the rest of my day, into the work, into the relationships that I had and the mood that I had with other people. Um, so I just definitely saw a huge improvement. Also we're ladies. We got to watch out for our bone health. Yeah. Like <laughs> lifting weights, lifting yeah. weights is really good for our bone health. Yeah. We're all gonna we're all gonna get brittle one day so I think we just gotta protect our bone health as much as we can and those are my favorite classes I love the resistance classes I had to really grow to learn to love them I gravitate towards more of the cardio ones I hate cardio (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but then I started lifting and I started to feel stronger and mm-hmm. I noticed my posture was different. And I was like, oh, okay. So I kind of get it. I get why people keep saying like weights are important. Yeah. Don't worry. You won't bulk up. Like you got to lift really heavy and supplement like crazy if you want to really, really bulk up. Yeah. And I, I, it was kind of nice to experience that firsthand, even though I've read it on paper a thousand times that mm-hmm. weight training is great. Whether you're uh, a male or a female, everybody can benefit from it. Yeah. And something that I know is really important to you is your community. Mm-hmm. Like they're not followers or fans. It's like you've developed a community. And um, I love that you brought your your love now of fitness to your community. You were able to kind of like bridge both worlds where you were able to bring in someone from your community to also get to dabble into the fitness world, mm-hmm. which is like a beautiful merging of two worlds. Yeah, it's been great. And it's it's been good to show like and t- I'm, I've always been really honest with my community. And that's something that's been really important to me. Um, and so in sharing that, like, hey, this wasn't easy for me, you know, I didn't just go into this and I'm like, I love working out. I am still honest with them that like, hey, some days are really hard to like get up and go to the gym. And there are some days where, yeah, I like regret it. Like, I wish I'd <laughs> stayed in bed. Um, I also, you know, show them that I live a life of moderation. I love to drink wine. I love, you know, to eat, go out and eat amazing foods. And so it's it really is. Um, I really want to show people that it doesn't need to be an all or nothing. Yeah. Um And so that's been really important for me. And I've gotten a lot of people asking questions. You know, they're scared um, to go to the gym because, you know, they think they have to be amazing the first time. And I'm like, I still go and I suck at many things. It can be very, very intimidating in the fitness culture. But I think more and more people are open to talking about it and being more welcoming. Yeah. Because if you are new to new to anything as an adult is is scary. Yeah. Because as an adult, we've we've figured out a couple skills we're good at. We know what we're good at. And then there's things we want to do, but it's a little bit scary. So whether it's picking up a guitar, Mm -hmm. going to a dance lesson or starting to work out going yeah. outside of your comfort zone is it's huge it's scary it's it's humbling as well yeah and that's what and I brought my mom once with me which was great so um so I always tell people that I'm like I brought my mom like she did it you go at your own pace like it's not it's not a race and and you do what feels good for you and I always think about like when I see people at the gym that I know are like it's their first time there or they're like overweight or whatever it is and all I think is like good for you mm-hmm. like that is I'm, I'm so impressed by it I'm not thinking like why are you here I'm thinking I am so impressed that you have like made that that step because it's a choice yeah and it everything is. everything in life is a choice mm-hmm. um a huge fan of this renegade love oh thank you I just love the word renegade I know I, it's I, a good word I'm like really happy that <laughs> like <laughs> that it came out at the beginning because it's just been something that is like a thread that is carried through everything when you first started this renegade mm-hmm. love why did you decide on that particular word like the and love beautiful they yeah tie it off but renegade to me is what really mm-hmm. stands out and takes the forefront yeah so I had been I'd come up with the idea of what I wanted to do and originally when I started this renegade love the focus was really on profiling people who had you know taken taken that risk taken the step to leave their nine to five to start their own job or travel the world like quit their job and travel the world um start a charity program whatever it was like go beyond the status quo and I just I was like really stuck on the name and I'm such a person that's like I need a strong name for something and so I was just like ruminating on it and then I was just listening to a song one day by the rural Alberta Advantage and it's called Summertime and there's a line in it that says when we're middle-aged you'll tell me that I loved you like a renegade and it was like as soon as I heard it I was like holy shit this is it (laughs) and then it kind of like and then I just put like the kind of words together I think at first I had like renegade love but the URL was taken like it was just and then it just kind of was like this renegade love and I just loved it 
and, and it so stuck. it just stuck and and it, I still love it that was four years ago and I still love it now and it's it's really carried on like through the renegade sessions and I thought about the word renegade like there's obviously the encyclopedia definition um but there's also the rage against the machine <laughs> definition which is renegades are the people with their own philosophies they change the course of history everyday people like you and me and that's what I loved about it is that the people that I was profiling they weren't these huge celebrities or these like unattainable like you know the 0.01 percent it was literally everyday people that were able to inspire my readers so why did you want to start it because at that point you were working you yeah. were working a nine to five before this world. Yeah, I was working um, in London in the UK. I was Contiki, uh, which Contiki Holidays. Uh, I was their global PR and brand partnerships manager. So I had like a great job. Um, I kind of like worked my way up. I had started my career in editorial at a magazine and then went into travel PR. And yeah, everything was good. And I was, you know, doing these press trips around the world. And I was kind of working with all of these content creators. And um, these big YouTubers and, you know, it, the whole time I kept thinking, I'm like, I want to be doing what you're doing. I really miss that creative aspect of it. I really missed connecting to people one-on-one -on -one through my creativity and, and through my voice and giving, inspiring others. And so, yeah, I literally turned 31. I quit my job. <laughs> I went from making good money to no money. <laughs> and yeah, I moved back to Toronto with um, Damien, who's now my husband. And, and yeah, I, I just started it and I just went like just started from the ground up that must have been exciting mm -hmm. but terrifying it was so terrifying and I always tell people I'm like the first step is the scariest part and then once you do it you do it and like it's that's you're over with that part but yeah. the other thing as well as the mentality that like it's not the end of the world. If something doesn't work out, then you go and do something else. But I knew that I wasn't happy in what I was currently doing. And so any change would have been an improvement on that. Did you ever have moments of doubt? Like every day, I still do. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, um, it, especially at the beginning, it, it's such like a, it was such an unknown world. And I really had to take what I knew from my past job of like working with brands and, and stuff like that and creating content and really put that to use. And I'm very lucky that I had that background. And I think that is what kind of helped me get to the point where I am and really make it a business. Um, but yeah, there are definitely, definitely moments of doubt where you're like, am I doing this right? Especially online because you're just inundated with what other people are doing. Yeah. And you're thinking, should I be doing this too? Or like, is this the path that I should be taking without really focusing on, on your path and your journey? I think what's really special about this renegade love is that you focus so much on being authentically you. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you share with other people that no matter what they do, they should do it authentically. Because mm -hmm. there's no point replicating something that's already been done or trying to take what someone else is doing and making it your own. Yeah. Unless it's truly authentically you. Yeah. Has that been a constant in your life, like even before you started this renegade love, this idea of like be you through and through? Yeah, I think so. Like I've always, I had a great, childhood like my family's amazing and they've always encouraged me to you know follow my dreams I guess and to kind of do and create my own path um but it's it's always it's a journey and I still like I feel like now I'm still on this journey especially in the past year of like really focusing on self-awareness understanding who I am understanding what my strengths are what my faults are trying to improve on those faults um and how that impacts the relationships that I have and not dwelling on things in the past, but thinking towards the future, but really understanding who I am has been 
such a huge part in what I share with other people. Um, and I never, the thing is, is I never want to meet someone who follows me online and meet them in person and then be disappointed or think that I'm a different person than I am online. I want to be that exact same person. And, and I think that when you are, when you do just share exactly who you are, um, share very authentically and, you know, you're not putting up a front or putting on this persona, I think you attract people that are genuinely interested in who you are and it becomes such a solid community and it's like the most rewarding part of my job. I think with social media and anything online, people sometimes do put up a front, mm -hmm. but I think people now more than ever have such a high bullshit rating. Oh God, like yeah. they can they can smell out BS so quick yeah. that there is no point pretending to be something you're not. Exactly. Because it's not going to help anyone. People are not going to buy it. Maybe they'll buy it for a little bit, but then they'll see they'll see the real you and then yeah. they'll be disappointed because they're expecting something else. And then for you personally, you're just kind of putting on this shield of armor or this mask that's not actually you. And then how sustainable is that? Yeah. And with you, when, especially when it comes to your Instagram stories, your posts, they are candid. They mm -hmm. are raw. Sometimes they're polished. Sometimes it's just you being you on like yeah. Saturday morning, <laughs> yeah. you know? And... And that comes with a certain level of vulnerability. Like mm -hmm. you are, you put yourself out there every day. Yeah. Is there ever a time where you think to yourself, like, maybe I'm oversharing, or no, this is what I want to do. I want to let people in fully. Um, I did need to think a little bit about the parts of my life that I keep private, only because, like, when I first got into this, I literally thought, you know, you you get so wrapped up in it, and you, it, everything's very exciting with social media, and everything is a moment to capture. And I remember being at my cottage, and I would just be like, I would, I was always on my phone, be thinking like, you know, like it was with my family and and you know my nieces, and being like, oh, that's so funny. I need to capture that, or I need to capture this moment that shows that I'm having fun, or whatever it is. Like, if it wasn't captured, it didn't happen. And I had to realize that. My job is not anyone else's job. So my family, like, they probably don't want to be on my Instagram or anything. And I have to, like, respect other people mm -hmm. um, and, and their wishes and, you know, whether or not they want to be featured to, you know, 35,000 people. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's definitely, like, a, a conscious thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's hard, though. It's hard, it though. We l it's addictive, like, the wanting to share. Yeah. But it's also important to kind of scale back sometimes yeah. and be in the moment like there was there was a time in my life where I had to you know leave the country for two weeks to kind of find myself mm -hmm. and I decided to take my first digital detox nice and it was shocking how I felt it's I, did, I, it at, I, I did it at Christmas did and you? it's the same I, I loved it it's <laughs> I think it's important to mm -hmm. do I think we need to self-diagnose mm -hmm. digital detoxes now and then yeah a, you're going to appreciate better you're going to realize that some moments are just better lived than yeah. captured. And it, when you come back to it, you come back to it refreshed. Like, because it, it can be so addictive. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be amazing and so positive. But then there's, of course, the toxic underbelly of it all. And mm -hmm. I loved doing the digital detox. And I want to do it again. Yeah. But it's hard. It's, like, really, it's actually harder than I thought. It is. And it's the thing that I found, like, what I did, because I was, like, I am ready for this. Like, I am, I re and I did it around the holidays because I, I remembered the year before taking on so many brand partnerships. And they were great partnerships. But being so burnt out by the end of it and so I, I thought okay I'm only taking on a certain amount um, I want them all to end on the 15th and so I just arranged for that and on the 15th went all the way through to the next year and I took yeah just over two weeks off and when I, I remember when I came back onto Instagram it was like 
it was like an assault on my senses and I just I wasn't ready for it and so I logged out and took another two days because it was just it taking that time it was crazy how much you are so much more focused on your own life you are in a better mood because you're not focusing on what other people are doing you're not you know subconsciously thinking bad thoughts about yourself because you're looking at someone else's great life and so yeah I think it's really important but one of the things is people would message me and be because I wrote a blog post about it and people would message me and say um you know like oh I wish I could do that and there were other bloggers that were saying this and I was like you can you just need to manage other people's expectations of you and so if you only take on a certain amount of partnerships and they're going to pay the bills and then you tell them when you want them to end like you can make that change yourself but you have to be adamant about it. I mean, we can all do it. Yeah. It's you, really you not that hard. Make it you just got to decide. Yeah. And you're right. And I, I understand that sometimes it's hard requesting certain things from brands. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, when they're paying you, it's going to pay for your rent, your yeah. groceries, whatever. But you, they are coming to you for a reason. They yeah. want to work with you for a reason. So you do have some leverage. Yeah. And if it's so, if a digital detox is important to you, then... Use your voice. Yeah. I just said, like, I'm not going to be around. And and even now, sometimes I'll take, if I know I have to, like, work on, like, a project that I want to work on that, you know, like, building an e-course or something like that, I will take two weeks off where, and I put, like, an out of office in my email. I'm still around, but I'm just, like, I am not going to be around to answer emails. And I just, like, cut it off and set expectations. Because mentally, you're elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's been such an evolution in the past four years mm-hmm. from profiling renegades which was amazing I remember reading them being like whoa there's some really badass Mm -hmm. women around me to doing what you're doing now like when you look at that you must I hope you feel proud of what you're accomplishing yeah I think it's when other people say it I do um and and really when I do look at it I do think it is I think right now I'm in a transitional phase so it's hard to look back and see because I'm kind of thinking like okay what's next um but it was really important for me like I knew that being a blog like a blogger for you know having it's not sustainable Mm -hmm. like for you know until you're like 50 oh yeah like being a blogger is great when you're the flavor of the week yeah and so you have to think of okay well what am I going to do with this community of people that I have and how am I going to serve them in a different way and how am I going to take this brand that I love and that I've developed and evolve it Um, and so that was always really important to me and it's funny because when I first started I didn't talk about blogging or branding or anything like that and then I noticed that I was in a very unique position because I had worked on the other side um, in PR and people were really interested in it and they didn't know. I thought like pitching and working like on the business side was common sense (laughs) (laughs) just because I had been in it. And I, when I found out that it wasn't, I thought, okay. And people had been coming to me. And so a lot of my brand has evolved into that is educating other people on how to build a personal brand, how to tell stories very authentically, um, how to create a blog, how to pitch brands, all that kind of stuff. You're a teacher. You're teaching people. And I love it. I, that's that's kind of the, yeah, that's my next, that's my next evolution. Yeah. Educator. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you, you're on the path. Mm-hmm. Like hearing and listening and reading about Renegade Sessions was really powerful because you have this strong online community. Mm-hmm. You took it off digital. You brought it back into the real world. Yeah. And actually had these real conversations face to face, not with just one person, but with a whole group of women. Yeah that must have been such a 
uh, I mean, a special experience for you. Yeah, and I've, I've done them twice now. So the Renegade sessions are, um, they are a four-week, like, intensive sort of mastermind for business women in Toronto. Um, they're very intimate. So there's about eight to ten women in each one, and we meet for three hours um, four times a week. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no, three hours, sorry, once a week for four weeks. (laughs) My bad. (laughs) That would be very intense. Every day for four (laughs) weeks, we're just going to have sleepovers. No, sorry. Um, So, yeah, so we meet um, once every week for four weeks for three hours each time. Um, But each time um, they have an opportunity to basically have a hot seat moment where they talk to the rest of the group. They say something they're struggling with in their business or, you know, want to get feedback on. And it just becomes this really supportive energy in the room. And everyone gets very vulnerable. People have cried in the sessions. Um, and it's just been, it's, it's been really good because people, they apply for it. And then I choose them based on they have all different come from different industries and different skills and backgrounds so that they can offer perspectives Mm -hmm. that maybe people hadn't thought of before. Um, And it's been really great because it's also been people that you probably might not have like met otherwise because they're not within your industry. And so it's kind of connecting this whole group. And um, yeah, we're going I'm connecting the two groups that I've done. We're all going for drinks next week. And so so I just really want to create this bigger and bigger group of of business women and, and who just are there to support each other. What was the the most surprising element of the Renegade sessions? Was there something or a moment or a lesson that somebody learned that you just didn't predict? I think that the uh, people come to it for different reasons. So um, one of them actually, my my friend Amanda is like so business savvy. She has two businesses She's a, that are totally different. She's a serial entrepreneur. She's now um, like a business consultant. And she, she came in and, and, you know, she didn't, what she discovered from it is how much she enjoys helping other people with their businesses. And that's when she grew her business consulting um, as like a side hustle uh, and which something she wasn't planning on doing, but she's like, wow, being a part of this made me realize how much I enjoy helping others with their business and just sitting in a room and and so now she does like one-on-ones with people and basically fixes their businesses whoa yeah which was really cool because it was a totally different perspective than I thought would happen Mm -hmm. I mean and four weeks is I feel like a good chunk of time and three hours a week dedicating three hours a week Mm -hmm. to anything yeah like these women are investing in themselves and they're choosing to be vulnerable yeah and hoping to be able to get something out of it yeah and now you're bringing these two groups together you're gonna have just like a whole posse one day I know I'm gonna do two I'm gonna do one in the fall and winter Um, I'm also thinking about doing an online one for people who aren't in um, who aren't in Toronto and then running that for the full year so it's like once a month and yeah I mean at this point how much content are you putting out weekly you know what's interesting is that I've actually come to (laughs) the the knowledge that it's not about how much content you're pumping out it's about how much content you can repurpose in different ways oh so I have a ton of content and I thought you know I always think about you know sometimes I put out like a bomb ass Instagram post and I'm like that was so impactful and I love that message And then I think, but it gets buried and never to be seen again. Why don't I take that message and then put it into that week's newsletter that I'm doing? And just like repurposing it and seeing how I can take things that I've said in the past or maybe have hit different audiences. Um, So I've become a lot more um, 
smart in yeah. how I do that so that I'm not just spending time creating content constantly and mer- working more on like my plan for the very future. efficient yes. Lauren very efficient <laughs> yeah well and your as your community grows mm-hmm. those impactful powerful messages you posted a year ago the yeah. likelihood I mean they might do a deep dive but the yeah. likelihood of them doing a deep dive and reading each and every single one of them yeah it's I mean, not that high so yeah if you can find a way to kind of bring it back yeah. And it's been, and the other thing I do is sometimes I just pull my audience. I'm like, you know, what questions do you have around this? And that'll be super easy for me to put together a newsletter based on just a question that someone has. So, so it's just, it's an easy way to get ideas. It's just an easy way to, so that you're not just sitting at a computer day after day, just writing out content. Which I'm sure there are days where the idea is just free flow, mm-hmm. but then I'm sure there are days where you're just staring at your computer screen thinking, Am I out of ideas? Oh, yeah. And when you have days like that, what do you do? Do you walk away and take a break? Mm -hmm. Do you have, like, what are the tools you have in your toolkit to kind of get past that creative block or when you're just having a shitty day? Yeah, so if I, it's gotten to the point now where if I know where I'm like, I sit down, I'm like, I can't write, I'm not interested, I I don't want to go on Instagram because everyone's annoying the shit out of me, I just know I'm in that headspace, then I just shut down and I give myself that time. And I just, I don't look at my phone, I don't look at anything, I maybe go see a friend, and I think that what's really interesting is people are always asking, like, how do you come up with ideas for this? I just... I literally just talk to people and I sit and I listen. And that's something, again, that I've really been focusing on this past year is active listening. Because when I do that and I sit down with someone and just listen to them and you know listen to their expertise in something, whatever it is, really actively listen to them, I come up with so many ideas for content. And I think that's the, the beauty of, it's almost like unintentional collaboration. Mm-hmm, like you exactly. go into it with no expectations, mm-hmm. but then by surrounding yourself with people who you know have, our expertise in different areas you then or all of a sudden there's like different connections that are happening in your brain you're like oh, okay this is actually a new angle yeah just having a conversation and I'm like wow you know what this is a great conversation this would make for a really good discussion in a blog post or an Instagram live or whatever it is after all these years of doing this do you still Mm -hmm. enjoy the blog posts and that avenue are you kind of ready to to leave that behind and move forward with the, with the ebooks and the yeah. running gate sessions because I th- I'm, I'm asked from a personal point of view because I used to love blogging and mm-hmm. writing and then I realized I don't actually like doing this I'm doing it because I thought I liked it and I wanted to like it mm-hmm. and then I realized if I'm being true to myself I think I'm I'm not a, a ri- quote blogger right and then I found and something that I really love to do which is interviewing people mm-hmm. in a long format and I was like this is actually what I like to do like, yeah this is this is what is working for me at this present moment yeah I think that so after I did my TEDx the the process of writing that was uh, like really fucked me up like I wasn't able to write afterwards for like I literally just that was in March and I have just written now like I just wrote a blog post now but even the two two months of going through that my email list didn't get anything I literally could not sit down and write because it was just such a beast it was a process I'd never done before I'd never written something like that it really like messed me up mentally and I don't think people talk about it it's like this looming thing that is like a defined date where you have to stand on a stage and deliver this 15 minute thing that is you know supposed to encapsulate you and and again like I'd never written in that format so it really like I pulled away from my family my friends I was just so inside my own head and so it really did a number on me and it really it actually made me fall out of love with writing and I'd never felt that before um 
but I feel like I, I've given myself space and I haven't tried to force it. And so it's slowly coming back to me. Yeah. But I think that I love writing. I, I always will. But I think that it needs to be less of my job. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, when I have my income coming through things like the e-courses and, and like books and stuff like that, where I'm not relying, you know, I'm not writing sponsored posts mm -hmm. or I'm not, you know, I'm not relying on Instagram or anything like that to support my income. Then I feel like all of those things will become so much more creatively fulfilling to me again. Yeah. Cause you'll be writing for the love of writing. Yeah, exactly. Not for a you know, means to an end. Yeah. So, so, and I, I'm going to start journaling the retreat I was at this week. Um, a lot of it was about journaling and just like brain dumping. And I think I need to do more of that and just not be so strategic and focused on I mean it. as a teen I brain mm -hmm. dumped daily yeah daily mm -hmm. and I think I I don't know why I ever stopped journaling yeah but I think it there's some there's some real power to it to just let it out and so then when you go to sleep hopefully your subconscious is a little bit calmer yeah and then you wake up and then that's not just all like looming in there and it's been just festering all night yeah. long exactly so Ted X oh yeah I mean <laughs> That is, I mean, it's, it's, you did a Ted talk. Yeah. It's, that is such an incredible honor and I can't even imagine the stress that went along with it oh because God. 15 minutes is not that long and yet it's also an eternity. Mm -hmm. Like to make 15 minutes of, of good content, especially in a speaking format. And memorize it. You don't have a screen. You have nothing. They don't give you a prompt. No, no. I had nothing. You have to memorize that shit. <laughs> That's a long, even yeah. though it's your story, that is a long time. And mm -hmm. the thing with 15 minutes is if you go off script and start ad-libbing, that 15 minutes is going to go by quick. Uh -huh. So you really got to stay on track. And there was no way I was ad-libbing. Like I had, that's what it was. I wanted it because if you look at TED Talks as well, it's like they go in sort of like this structured format. And I was just so like focused on it being that. And I actually I had two months to write it. I was writing. I was on the weekends just sitting there. Sometimes just blankly, like I would cry about it. It was just, it was a horrible process. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I did it. But, and it taught me a lot about myself. Um, but I scrapped it two days before I rewrote from scratch and I spent I did that in the one day and the day before I just like practiced the shit out of it until my voice was hoarse and then I got there and I'm like well you know what if I freeze I freeze like if I don't remember it I that was what I was scared of and then I just happened to I was the second last to go which I was like I wish I was the first <laughs> and and yeah I went out there and it was just this weird calm came over me I don't even know how to describe it it's like you know in old school when Will Ferrell blacks out oh my out, gosh that when he was kills me. it at the debate <laughs> and then he comes to you and yeah. he's like wait what just happened yeah and he's he just like blacks out that was me that because I like don't remember but I did as soon as I came off I went into the bathroom and I just let it out and cried wow because it was such a release of like I did it it's over I felt so good the next day it was like a whole new person again it was great but um I can't believe you scrapped your talk that you <laughs> I were know two months two days I know. before but I mean but I think well. it was probably the right move yeah. it was because I wasn't feeling like it was me and then the talk that I eventually gave which is still like it takes forever for them to put it up online but it was on the power of personal storytelling and I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to like really dive into my story. Mm -hmm. And I told a story of like dealing um, with ovarian cysts. So I was literally on stage <laughs> talking to like half a room of men too about my period. <laughs> like, but it was, it was, I, it was 
I asked my husband after because he was there and he was like you could hear a pin drop in that room and he was like everyone was like just hanging on on every word so so it went well and I'm I glad mean, look, it did you went you were talking about the power of personal storytelling yeah. you got personal oh I went balls and, like, to the wall I don't know <laughs> like periods and cysts are pretty personal yeah I mean I remember when you you shared with your with your community mm-hmm. that you were struggling with that and I remember yeah. messaging you and being like yo I understand you and yeah. I understand your frustrations and how like the medical system some of it is so backwards when it comes to concerns it's like crazy. that are you are you feeling okay have you been able to like manage the pain and and I know you were talking to a naturopath for a while yeah so so I have kind of and I've been looking into yeah obviously like foods and stuff like that but really when I went like and I I spoke to the doctor and this was like a very experienced doctor and she you know, shrugged and she was like, you know, you can go back on the pill or, you know, you can get pregnant. And she's like, it's basically the cyst of the month. Like which one's going to pop? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> you're like, that's all great. those are, those are my options. I know. And so, so I've been taking like a lot of anti-inflammatories leading up to, um, and, and stuff like that. I mean, I still get bad cramps, but I, I still live in fear of, you know, getting my period when I'm on a trip and that like rupturing because it happens in five minutes where it is like unbearable and you actually think you're dying. Yeah. So if anyone's listening that <laughs> has experienced this, like I, yeah. I remember when one of mine ruptured and at this point I didn't know I had cysts on my ovaries, but a lot I of women, no a lot of women have cysts on their ovaries. Most of them, you know, are happy little cysts that just hang out and yeah. nothing happens. And then sometimes they burst and the level of pain I felt, I remember I was walking to the office and all of a sudden, I just couldn't walk anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was <laughs> I was on a bridge, like, you know, the bridge that connects the CN Tower mm-hmm. to Front Street? Yeah. And I had to sit there until I could get up. Like, I couldn't call a cab. Mm-hmm. Like, I was in an area where no cabs could come. And I was just like, what is going on in my body? Like, it was yeah. a, a, such a sharp, sharp pain that I thought someone was stabbing yeah, me. Like, I just, my brain was like, you are being stabbed with a knife right now. And then it's like contractions. And I was like literally everything exiting my body. And I was like, what the hell? And both times I've been very lucky that I've been at home, Mm -hmm. but but I'm like, I don't know what would happen. What if I was on a plane? Like I just, it, to me, it's like one of those things that I get really angry when I think about, because if this was a male problem, there would be Mm -hmm. 800 pills on the market. There would be a like, there would be, there would be more options than get pregnant or go back on the pill. Exactly. I'm someone who I'm not on birth control. Mm -hmm. It's not a good fit for me. Um, and I don't respond well to them. So for me, it's better not to, but then, then I have to deal with excruciating and painful period cramps where I am shitting and vomiting at the same time. And like, I can't live my life. Like there are months where it is a debilitating effect on my body and on my life. And yet I'm just supposed to suck it up and continue on with my day. Yeah. It's a shame that like, that's, there's no real help, but when you told me you were talking to a naturopath, I was like, I never had thought about that. Oh yeah. So you take, you eat like an anti-inflammatory diet. Well, I guess, so basically like what, when I went off the pill, I like did not do any research into the impact that it has in your body. I just was like, I don't want to be on this anymore. Um, and within like five months, I started getting cystic acne and I had cystic acne for like well over a year and it was bad. And I'd never dealt with that. I'm like, what the hell is going mm-hmm. on? And then I started getting cramps and all this kind of stuff. And so I had gone to like a holistic nutritionist um, and she was like, yeah, it's like you're over like your, sorry, not your ovaries, your um, hormones are all out of whack. And she's like, and that's what happens. And she, it can take a really long time to balance them. So it's like, you know, cutting out booze and sugar, which is very hard. And (laughs) dairy is a huge one. And so it really took a long time and eventually it did. And obviously like with like facial treatments and stuff. 
thanks. Um, and I still drink wine all the time. Um, but now it's like, now I see the impact that my diet can also have on, yeah, on my period. And, and it's really, it's, I'll always have the cramps, but mm. it's more of, of the cyst and trying to prevent them from rupturing. And so I take, um, like an anti-inflammatory, uh, that's, uh, what's well-told health. Okay. They have like a turmeric one. Ooh. Um, and so that's just like, you just take it leading up to, and you can also, the doctor said to take Advil and Tylenol. She's like, I'm giving you the okay to mix them, um, leading up to as well. So I know. And I feel like every woman is different every the cocktail <laughs> and you're just like, I hope I can do my job. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like it's, it's something that we have to deal with every month. Oh. And then sometimes I like, get the two week cycle and I'm like, I just saw you. Yeah. Like, I, I do not have any more tampons. <laughs> I got to go back out. Yeah. No, but I, I think it's really powerful that you decided to be so personal on a mm-hmm. stage in front of so many women and men. Men get so squeamish about periods. Yeah. Which is which is so weird because hello, they happen. Half the monthly. population deals with it. It's yeah, I'm very lucky my husband does not care about that stuff. Um but yeah, it was standing on that stage. I mean, really what I was telling was when I had shared that blog post, the, how it basically all of these women felt comfortable to come out of the woodwork and they were sharing on their own social channel saying like, hey, I've been dealing with this and finally felt okay. And so the idea, like it, the whole TED talk was on the power of personal storytelling. And, um, and it was just, you know, telling people that this is why it's people want that human connection. So when you do open up and vulnerably tell your story there will always be someone who sees themselves in you and will make them feel less alone and more comfortable in who they are well congratulations on the talk i Thanks. did I, w- I was googling and i was like i want to see this talk i know so it's taking so forever wait. hopefully yeah. it'll come out soon yeah. we'll keep you guys posted on the podcast if it's out is this something you would do again another talk because oh. it's know. like you're such a like an online creator mm-hmm. and you're an in-person renegade session leader but being on stage with the lights and the microphone and yeah. not being able to ad-lib like that's a different that's a different ball game yeah i don't know i I think that now that I've done it, I'm like, okay, I could, you know, maybe do this again. I mean, (laughs) who knows? (laughs) Um, But I will say that doing presentations and speaking engagements from that point forward have been like a walk in the park. Um, But I, what I think what I, what I do prefer, and this is kind of similar to what you said, like I always think of, you know, having like a fireside chat with someone. I'm very good at facilitating a conversation, making someone feel comfortable and giving them the space to open up to me. Um, and then like a wider audience because it's yeah. being shared. So, so I would like to do that, like sit on stage, but give other people's voice rise yeah. to, to tell their story. Shine the spotlight on somebody yeah, else. Exactly. Um, just before we wrap up, like, is there a number one tip you have for people that want to dive into the entrepreneurial world they've got a great idea but you know to be an entrepreneur yes the idea is important but you kind of got to you know push push the pedal down Mm -hmm. get going like if they're feeling a little bit nervous but they want to get out there what do you suggest I suggest don't get stuck in the planning phase put it out there because it's always going to evolve. It will never be what it is now. Um, and one of the things that actually uh, at this retreat that I, I uh, was at this past week, um, one of the ideas that came up that I found to be just so true and impactful was um, if your idea fails the first time, it doesn't mean it's a bad idea. It just means that it, it didn't go well or you can change something about it. But revisit it. Don't just give up on it just because it didn't work. There's so many variables that might have gone into why it didn't work. Revisit it. Try again and, and just keep going. I love that because I, I know for me personally, fear of failure oh, is a big thing that holds so me back yeah. daily. Um, 
like this podcast, for example, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about doing it for a very long time. I did it two years ago and then took it down because I was too afraid. Yeah. And then finally I was like, what am I afraid of? Like, if it doesn't do well, it doesn't do well. Yeah. If one person listens to it, okay, great. Enjoy one person. Yeah. And yet, and, and then as soon as I got over that fear of failure and kind of embraced the notion that it might fail and if whatever, who yeah. cares? You'll just revisit it or change it or move on to something else. It really, it takes a lot of the pressure off. For sure. Yeah. Okay, and then just to wrap up, yeah. What does healthy is hot mean to you? Um, healthy is hot for me. A lot of, I think, being healthy in mind and body uh, feeds into your confidence, and there is nothing hotter than someone who is totally confident. And I think about, you know, I always remember this one woman at the gym. I was in this class that I was at, and everyone was super fit, and everyone, you know, was just in like all their black attire, and she was a much bigger woman than everyone else and was there in her bra top and just like given it Fuck yes. and it was the most it was the hottest thing I was like that is who I want to be and that is like the person that I want to hang out with and like they are just oozing confidence and sexiness so for me confidence it definitely plays into health and yeah oh, to confidence <laughs> and to talking openly yeah. about periods yep there you go amazing thank you thank you so much and just like that another episode of the healthiest hot podcast once again i'm your host chloe wild a huge thanks to the thompson hotel for hosting us today So if you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. See you next week.